look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. How about you? Well, it's the snow's melting. You know what? People's attitudes and <laughs> are totally changed. Right. The fact is, we've got good markets and we've got good weather. Hallelujah. Yes. It's, right? it's, it's, it's like angels singing in our world. There you go. I like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, it has. It is good. We got a we got a good show today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about how do you know if you're retiring because of burnout or because you're ready to transition. We have a lot of conversations with people, and, and uh, the motivation for is not always clear. And I, I've had burnout week. The I mean, yeah. people I've been meeting this week have been saying to me, they're, they're just tired. They're yeah. done. Yeah. And so you know, we've we got to get that whole view from a psychologist to, to say, you know, how, how do you handle this type of stuff? Right. Right? Yeah, because it has implications on, on why you're leaving, what you're transitioning to, how you're transitioning, all of those things. So we're going to talk about that today. And Dave, you know, we, we normally talk about global, <clears throat> yep. macroeconomic yep. pieces. We rarely do we come to the local level. Right. And I think there's some, there's some topics that have been coming up in the city of Calgary that we want to address. So let's talk about the financial health of Calgary. Right. And we know unemployment. And I mean, we've been through a long period of time here. So I think that's, uh, let's, let's look local. Yeah. You're going to be, a, going you're going to be a new homeowner shortly. Yep. That means your property taxes are going up. You have no idea how much you have to pay, do you? Well, no. I've got an idea. It's, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's I would not. suggest you change your shoe habit to pay property taxes. <laughs> yeah, okay? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Okay, thanks Thanks for that. I was great weather and great markets, and now I'm depressed. I'm just Thank giving you, you some recommendations that's and advice, my friend. That's all. I need that psychologist now. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about market stories um, this week. We have, you know, we just said that markets have been good. I mean, last week we did have some volatility. Now we're into a, a market again that's going higher. Yeah, and so the, the news story that came out initially was all, all the Boeing um, and the grounding of the airline and the uncomfortable well, situation. the 737s, right? Yeah, and the, and the whole conversation about these airlines yep. and not knowing what's going to happen. Yep. And, and I, had, I had some conversations with people about will this, uh, how will this impact the market, the economy, and so forth. And, right. and I think in a broader stroke, it's going to be a short-term pain, not a long-term pain. And so there's going to be some places where people are going to see an experience of, of you know, a negative viewpoint. But overall, I don't think this is very economically of an issue. Yeah. What's interesting is that my, my numbers might be slightly off here, so don't hold me to the number, but the, the 737s are a significant portion of the global fleet. Correct. Um, and so the grounding of that does have global implications. And you didn't. You were called to do an interview this week, which I, th- I thought was interesting, right? Um, in the sense that it is one company in a world where there are tens of thousands and millions of companies, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it did have an impact on, obviously, the, the share price. It had an impact on on exchange-traded funds, if uh, if you had an exchange-traded fund on the Dow, right, because it's a Dow component. So there, there are implications that people need to be worried about. Um, but, again, you have to make a decision if that's a short or a long-term problem, yep. right, yep. whether or not you hold the position. So it was an interesting story. We got a big, bit of a push on uh, on Brexit. We're kicking the can down the road, Yep. right? No resolution on China. We were worried about kind of China and trade and Brexit mm-hmm. last week, and markets traded down. We've kicked right. the can down the road. Markets are going up. It's scaring people again. It's it's well today um, we're looking back at the week and we're saying you know Trump came out and said oh we should have a deal in three to four weeks from now uh, with China um, Brexit's going to be pushed off now people don't know if it's six months or six years that's the problem yeah um, of when this deal is going to get taken care of and and 
and are they going to go back to polls and so forth? So there's a lot of concern. What I found interesting about that whole Brexit thing was that the minute that vote happened on Thursday, we started seeing a change in the currency levels of sure. the British pound. British yep. pound actually appreciated yep. in value. I believe it was Friday as well. We saw it tick up, even against the Canadian dollar. So I, I, it's interesting to see what the currency market, which is the flow of capital going from one country to another, um, it, it's very interesting to see that kind of uh, well. Uh, and let's just happen. address that. The currency market was saying this was a good thing, right? Now we don't know what's going to happen. We might be at back at square one. We may have another referendum, and they don't exit. Yeah. Right. They're, I mean, who knows? Who knows what this is? Three years of work, base and and. You know, basically starting over. Anybody who's gone through a very difficult divorce right. can can empathize with this situation, right. right? They can they can understand it because you you're pretty much thinking it's going to be done, and then all of a sudden something changes, and now it's it's right. going to take a, a little bit longer. So this is a divorce coming out of the European Union. It's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is you've got 21 partners, yeah. not not just one. Right? Yeah, that sounds complicated. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. and again, it might end in a in a reconciliation. We don't know. Who knows? Right? Yeah. We don't know. Um, so let's just talk about that because there's these. Um, we're talking about Brexit today, Faisal. We're talking about uh, China U.S. Uh, today. Uh, but take out those particular topics. Fast forward 18 months. We might still be talking about those two things. <laughs> go for <laughs> go three years. There's something else, right? Insert other problem. Correct. And, and I think it um, it becomes important. Which is interesting because I had a conversation with a client who said, Faisal, there's so much thing, so much negativity in the world today. Right. I don't think it's a good time to be invested. Right. And I said to him, can you go back in history when you saw a 12-month period where there wasn't negativity? Right. And that should have been the only day we should have invested. Right, yeah. There's always going to be negativity. Right. It's the news versus noise cycle that we talk yeah. about and the fundamentals. And and we gravitate as as humans sure. to negative news versus positive opportunity. Right. Because we're way more sensitive to risk. Yeah. Right? Behavioral fear, finance. Fear takes over more Bang. than than greed. Right. And that drives bad decisions. And we've talked we've talked yeah. about this. And yeah. we're going to talk about this forever and a day because it's something we've got to be constantly reminded of. Now, um, here's the other – let's go on the other side of the, the coin here because people have made uh, changes to their portfolios. And now these are good markets, right? And they're continuing to go. And the, as, you know, the fundamentals continue to improve, assuming that we get some resolution on some of these things over time, um, when do you get back in? What do you do? So this strategy piece, which we talk about all the time, becomes important. Yep. Okay. You're going to have volatility. You can't insulate yourself from volatility if you're going to be in the stock market. We call it systemic risk. It's just there. Yep. So people have to find a balance, right? They have to find the point, um, the what we call the asset allocation, that allows them to stay fully invested through the ups and downs. Because yep. you don't know when they're coming. We've done – actually, I had a tremendous amount of good feedback on that show that we did when we talked about market timing. Yes, I had lots of people call me and say, can you send me that stuff so I can remind myself, right, how <laughs> thin good. a margin it is uh, when those, you know, when we get, nobody cares about the up days. We all love those, but people freak out about the down days. Correct. So the, the, the strategy here, again, if you're, if you're reloading your portfolio with riskier assets, things mm -hmm. like stocks, yep. as the market's moving up, okay, you need to understand you're adding risk, right? What we should be doing is we should be buying on lows, like you love to do. And we be, should be selling into highs, not going the other way, right? Behavioral finance takes us into that problem. So the problem is not knowing if this is a high or not yet. Can, That's can highs go higher? Sure they Absolutely can. Absolutely they right. can. Only right. history tells us, yeah. right? And so I think where we have to come back to is fundamentals. And I, and I had a conversation with, with a client of ours, uh, Dave, who, who was asking me a lot about, well, why don't you get in at, at when things are moving up and get out when things are going down? Mm -hmm. And it's that's market timing, mm -hmm. and, and so it's very difficult to time the market. 
And in fact, even the best investors around the world don't market time. Mm -hmm. What they look at is fundamentals. And so coming back to this whole Brexit, US, China, these are things that could impact fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And if they impact fundamentals, then you make an investment thesis based on that. Right. And be humble enough to know you can be wrong. Yeah. And have a, a strategy that if you're wrong and it's worse than what you thought, and have a strategy if it's better than what you thought. And that will protect you. You're not going to be 100% protected. You're not going to be able to time this thing nope. correctly 100% of the time. Yeah. Now, there might be those technicians that are listening to us right now in the car yelling at the radio. And if they're, if they're, if they're humble enough to know their practice and their discipline, right. they know they can't be right 100% of the time. I agree. Um, um, but here, and here's the point is I'm going to say it's, it's, there's a, the, the fundamental mistake that's being made here, particularly for groups that are transitioning to living in retirement is the different goals and the timelines. Like the suitability of investments and the structure of a portfolio becomes really important. So how do you protect yourself against the ups and downs is you have different buckets. Correct. Right? This is why we keep harping on this, this idea is the solution. of different buckets. Right? This is the solution to the problem in retirement. Right. And so when you're looking through that, you need to kind of see how it works. Now, we have a seminar that we do every month. Yep. We do two sessions now every month because of the demand. Yep. Some people can't make it to a seminar. Right. So I want you to have a copy of our book. Okay. So, yep. if you are unable to make our uh, our seminar, can't make it for whatever reason, you're more than welcome to get a free copy of our book. Right. So, just go, go, go to morethanmoneyradio.com right. and ask for a complimentary copy of our book. We yep. can give you an ebook, meaning you can get it through a PDF, or you can get the actual um, uh, hard copy of our book. So, those of you who want to attend our seminar, who are able to come out on Tuesday, March 26th, 8.30 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400, 966-8400, or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, um, enough said about that. Uh, don't go away, because after this break, we're going to talk about Calgary's financial health. You'll want to hear about dun. this. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, uh, where do we start this? Uh, we've got Jeff Davidson who's going to join us, uh, Calgary City Councilor. He's Ward 6. Uh, we're okay. going to talk about, you know, we talk about uh, international affairs all the time. Uh, yeah, macro know, level, <clears throat> yeah. even even national level. Like yeah, that's that right. Impact us, right? So. That's right. Never gets back to us. So we thought we would take uh, some time and let's ex explore the health of Calgary itself as a city. We know we've We've got an unemployment rate that's going the wrong direction. We've experienced a downturn for a while. You know, the mood's kind of, it's sour, right? People are, it's been a long pull it's been for tough. us. It's, it's been, been tough. tough. And so I think, you know, because of what we're hearing, and, and part of people's sentiment to their retirement, yeah. to their portfolios, sometimes is driven by what's happening locally. How they feel locally, exactly. Um, and so I think we need to address what's happening locally, and then we can we can kind of give people some ideas of where, where things are, are headed. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Davison joining us, as I said, uh, Ward 6. Jeff, thanks for taking some time with us. Hey, thank you guys for having me. So let's just uh, maybe start at a high level and, and talk about uh, Calgary's financial health and maybe just get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, exactly what you guys said. I mean, it seems like Calgary's been beat up, uh, you know, and in fact, we have. I mean, at all orders of government uh, right now, I think, you know, our number one focus, I think, for us is, you know, number one, investor confidence, and number two, what does public trust look like going forward? You know, 
as far as our financial health, you know, Calgary's okay. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've managed a decent credit rating through all of this, uh, but obviously we have significant challenges happening in the city. Um, but, you know, we still are investing in the large infrastructure projects, um, you know, things like the Green Line. Obviously, we'll talk more a little bit about the event center, things like that going forward. And you, I think we're relatively in a unique position throughout North America when you compare us to other cities to be able to still be looking at how we can use capital to move forward. So you, you mentioned the event center. I mean, you're the chair of the event center committee. Maybe um, you know, maybe bring us up to speed. What, what what's happening there? What what are we going to? Where are we going? Yeah. So I mean, the latest that's happened with the event center is that uh, council has now approved us to. Uh, well, they've approved our negotiating mandate, which includes a uh, you know the framework behind the money that we need to make that deal happen. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be moving forward with that. I mean, I think when you really get step back though and think about what does uh, a new event center mean for all Calgarians, you know, there's really something to be said about place and why it matters to the city. You know, so fundamentally, the spaces that we create for Calgarians are really what define us. You know, and, and as we kind of have moved forward through this process, yes, of course, the event center would be a new home for the Flames, but it's really important to remember that this isn't just a hockey deal, right? This is about uh, new development of a district anchored by an event center and, and obviously now anchored by the new BMO expansion, mm-hmm. which is going to have you know, significant financial impact uh, on city revenues. I think that's a great idea. I think, you know, we, Dave, you and I traveled to Nashville, yeah. and we were there you during bet. the playoffs. And we saw how the surrounding area outside of the arena was just buzzing. Right. We've seen on TV with the CBC and they show when they show the Flames game, I'm sorry, the Leafs games in Toronto, the surrounding area of their arena. Um, you, well, we, even look at Edmonton, right? So re-energizing that area and the, the, the downtown area. And there's a hundred examples, right? Yeah. And I think, and, and I think you nailed it right. Uh, you know, you know, Jeff, that there's, it's more than just an arena for the Flames. It is an event center. It's going to draw a different type of anchor than, uh, I think we need to get more and more businesses involved are they going to from your perspective and i haven't done too much reading on this so so bear my ignorance on this are you are, are you looking at getting more businesses to you know hover around the area what's the idea of getting more of a of a, of a, a bigger um, community a, yeah, yeah. How, how do we do that yeah i mean that's really it i mean you know the question we always ask is you know how does a new event center fit into the greater plan to keep Calgary economically diverse and headed in the right direction, frankly? And so you look to all those places, like you mentioned. You know, you look to, to Columbus, you look to Nashville, you look to Ottawa, you look to, you know, everywhere out there, Edmonton yep. included. Yep. Um, you know, what you've got to remember is that the idea behind development of a district is really about the ability to draw follow-on capital. Right. You want to have your your hotels and you want to have your retail and you want to have your commercial. You know, for us, it's important to know that, you know, we've been able to get out with CMLC and do a bunch of work and feel there's probably two to three billion dollars worth of new investment behind the district that, um, you know, once we provide that catalyst, you know, you you build that investor confidence. um, And that's something that's significant because all of a sudden when when we're placing significant investment in an area, the, the market wants to do the same. And if you think about the last 10 years in particular, um, the city has had a great vision for the Rivers District. But on top of that, we've put about $400 million into this district already. And so as we start to think about how does this thing move forward, we've really primed the district uh, with infrastructure. Now it's about creating that catalyst for it and, and that anchor of the community. And then it's really about how do we build out that grand vision. You know, we've talked about an entertainment and cultural district in Calgary for decades and, you know, in my opinion, it's, a, it's, it's about time to move on with it because I think 
that's where you, you know, if you can talk vision and you can talk about, uh, you know, what we can do with, frankly, a bunch of empty parking lots that generate zero revenue right now to the city, um, you start to think that it's pretty impactful when you consider the value of that property. Uh, and it's unique to us because there's not a lot of uh, municipalities would have that type of available downtown space. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it starts to look really attractive. Jeff, there's been conversation about diversifying our economy here in Calgary, being very focused on oil and gas in the city. It's 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 a boom and bust uh, economy, and so a lot of people are having a tough time uh, riding that wave and, and managing through it, especially our finances locally. You know, when you talk about districts like like this entertainment district, have we thought about other districts, maybe a education district, a technology district, a financial district, or and I'm just throwing out a health district. You know, these these different areas that can draw not only um, certain areas within the city that we can kind of centralize a, a, a service or, or offering, but also to bring in capital and and innovative ideas. Have has that even been thought about or, or bantered around at, at city council? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have the, you know, I'm fortunate that I actually sit on Calgary Economic Development as well, so I actually have a pretty good view to, um, you know, what's what's the city doing versus what we think we can actually do and achieve within this district. Um, you know, obviously our unemployment sits at 7.6%, right? We're the highest among all the major Canadian cities, yet last year our population grew by 23,000 people. You know, when you, when you start to kind of take the high-level approach and start to think, you know, for as for as beaten up as Calgary has been, you know, when you see that we're, you know, the, the fourth most livable place in the world, and now we've been rated as the second place people globally want to come for business, you start to recognize that there's there's potential again in our city, and optimism is starting to turn a corner. And, you know, through the work that we're doing with Calgary Economic Development, I think everybody recognizes that, you know, the oil industry, of course, it's the boom and bust cycle. Will it return? Probably. Um, when? Who knows? And what will it look like? I mean, it always shifts and changes. But we've got to look at the bigger picture of what does energy look like going forward. It's not just oil and gas, you know. So we've, we've really started to step back and look at the larger portfolio of, of what are the things that energy means to us these days. Is it clean tech? Is it, uh, you know, renewables? All those types of things. Um, and so on top of that, you know, as a city, we're looking at financial s- uh, services, um, you know, creative industries, real estate, transportation and logistics, manufacturing, life sciences, agriculture. I mean, we're really focused on trying to broaden the scope of what Calgary can really lead the charge in. And, you know, what, what's funny is that for as entrepreneurially as we are, you know, we used to think about technology, for instance, as being its own sector. And now technology is actually a part of every sector. And so, you know, that alone, I think, has positioned Calgary in, in a unique place to to grow within these new sectors and, and really um, get back on our feet. Jeff, sort of, we've got a minute uh, just to finish up here. Um, in your opinion, major obstacle, biggest obstacle we have to overcome to, you know, to get this thing turned around as a city, get that unemployment moving in the right direction, get us sort of revitalized and reinvigorated um, and more, more people moving to the city. What's that one obstacle and what can we all be doing about it? Well, I mean, fundamentally, I go back to the idea of, you know, what are our two biggest things? Um, you know, there's investor confidence and, and public trust, and I think those are the two biggest obstacles. But the, when I boil it down, if I had to say one thing, yeah. it's Calgary's narrative. You know, we've got to change the narrative in this city and start, you know, living up to that optimism that we know we can create here. Uh, unfortunately, that narrative of, you know, the beaten-up city that no longer has uh, – uh, the ability to get things done has now reached outside of Calgary, and it's costing us money because 
you know, when you go out there to try and raise money to bring into to Calgary, people don't want to put capital here. You know, they hear the negative narrative and they want to go somewhere else. And so our ability to draw capital to the city has somehow now been affected by the narrative we've created. And we've really got to change that. And I think through, you know, moving forward with some of these, these projects uh, in a very um, proactive way, yet, you know, a fiscally responsible way uh, is going to help change that narrative. So um, we know times are tough. Uh, and w- what we want to do at this point is, is rather than you know, blow our money on everything, we want to make our money work for us. And and making our money work for us will change that narrative and draw that capital we desperately need in this city. Good. That's a great message, Dan. And we've got a great city. And let's uh, let's get this narrative changed and moving forward again. I want to thank you for your time today, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Been joined by Jeff Davison, um, Calgary City Councilor. He's Ward Six, also the chair of the event uh, committee. Nice to hear directly from him. Uh, these things tend to be cycles. Uh, we got to live through cycles, just like people have to live through different cycles uh, in their um, in their retirement. Absolutely. Right? Let's talk about uh, let's talk about that at our upcoming seminar. Yeah. So, how do you bulletproof your retirement? We'll talk about that on Tuesday, March twenty sixth, eight thirty p.m. at the Sheraton's Four Points Hotel on the west side of Calgary. You need to reserve your seats nine six six eighty four hundred. That's 966-8400 to call or online at morethanmoneyradio.com. How do you know if you're burned out at your current job? Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, Faisal, let's talk a little bit more than money because, uh, especially in Calgary, we've had, um, you know, over the past four years, and even as late as last week, I talked to a client who has who's had a, a date in retirement chosen for them. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we talk about this transition uh, to, to retirement. Now, sometimes it's chosen for you. Sometimes it's burnout. Sometimes you're ready and prepared for it. There's a whole bunch of different reasons you might get there. You know, lately, I think the last couple of weeks, people who've been calling me up for second opinions and so forth, it's been a lot of burnout. Yeah. It's been, it hasn't been chosen upon them, but right. they're, they're just done. Right. You know, they, they don't want to do what they're doing anymore. They want to retire and they're trying to figure out that their finances can actually match that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I guess if you're, if you get laid off and your date's chosen for you, that's one thing. But, you know, it's interesting to have that conversation as we've had many to try to help somebody understand whether or not they're leaving because they're ready to leave or because they're burned out, as you said. So we thought we should explore this because it's come up often enough that we see a reoccurring theme here. Now, to help us understand that, because you and I can't help in that particular area, (laughs) we've got Dr. Wendy uh, Froberg, who's a psychologist with us today. Wendy, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, let's let's talk about this, and uh, I'm not sure we can do it justice in the time that we have, but how, how do you tell? So if somebody is thinking about leaving the workplace, you know, what are some of the signs of burnout versus, you know, preparedness to go? Okay. Well, sometimes I distinguish um, that as burnout is something where we want to escape a situation. We want to avoid it uh, because we can't handle it versus a more proactive retirement where we're maybe thinking of ourselves as moving towards something. But burnout is a, is a state of chronic stress. Um, it has physical and emotional exhaustion, um, a sense of being cynical and detached, and also feelings of being ineffective and, and lacking in accomplishment. It's a very complex um, human kind of situation, but it's the idea that your inner resources just aren't adequate to, to help you cope. And it's very insidious. It, it can creep up on us. Um, we don't realize it's happening until we're in a pretty bad, a pretty bad state. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. It's running from something rather than moving towards something. Is Correct. What, is what exactly. I heard there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Okay. So, so what are some of the things that you can do to, to combat this? Well, I think the way I look at, at combating um, burnout is to, I call it boundaries and balance. 
So what you want to do is to make sure that uh, work isn't the only thing in your life. And I think the earlier you, you can start this, the better. So you want to be sure that you um, focus on your relationships. We know as we age, we move from um, you know being very focused on acquiring things and, and the sort of mm-hmm. uh, financial definitions of success. I, mean, I always joke about nobody lies on their deathbed going, gee, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You know, they're generally talking about they, they wish they'd had maybe more time with their loved ones. So definitely have some, some boundaries between work and play, work and relationships. Say no to certain things. Don't say yes all the time. We want to be, you know, helpful and we want to please others. But you just have to avoid taking on too many commitments and responsibilities. And related to that, you can also learn to delegate things as many as possible. You know, don't be the be-all and end-all. Let other people help you. Let other people assist you. Learn how to take breaks between, especially between big projects. Um, learn how to, you know, turn your brain off of the the work mode into the uh, relaxation mode. Sometimes that involves even just controlling your devices, not always being, you know, accessible through electronics and you know email and text and phone and so on. Uh, not don't take too much work home. Again, we want to achieve. We want to stay on top of things. People will always want more from us, but we have to learn how to leave things at the office, come home, and and have a different part of our life, at, you know, at home. Um, and um, you know, maybe even talk to other people, a support group if you're feeling burned out, a support group of other people who are facing the changes of retirement can be helpful. You know, don't isolate because isolation is actually one of the signs yep. of burnout. And then just try to find your passion. Try to maybe rediscover it. That should be one of the, the, the benefits of midlife and beyond is oh, maybe I can re- reduce my focus on work and start to find what really excites me. Wendy, when you were talking about this stuff, you were saying you're giving us some tips, and what I kept on hearing was be able to say no, build that boundary. A lot of people have a hard time building boundaries and saying no. Your boss tells you, you got to do something or stay late, or or and it's hard for you to say no because, especially in this city, some people sure. are very sensitive of sure. if I don't do like I've got now three people's jobs on my back because they cut mm-hmm. so many people out of the yep. out of the company. So now if I say no, I might be on the chopping block and I'm not ready to like. There's a whole whole bunch of reasons that people say they can't of the why they can't say no or why they don't build boundaries. So. What, what, do we do, what do we do in that situation when people can't say no or if they feel think, they can't say yeah. no? Yeah, I think we have to take a longer-term perspective. It's that idea that if I don't start setting those boundaries and, and putting right. limits on, on you know, just what I can do in a day and how much information I can juggle at the same time, then I'm going to succumb to burnout or I'm going to succumb to some sort of physical stress and ailments. Um, we, you know, we, but we, humans are notoriously short-term in our focus. Um, you know, we don't want to, we want to lose weight, but we want to eat the pie now because it tastes good now. And so there's that sense of that idea of really valuing um, your self-care, really putting yourself first uh, for the purposes of, of longevity. I mean, once we get to midlife, we really need to start looking, you know, looking after our health. And that includes our, our mental health and our emotional health. And having the confidence that, again, especially if you are a senior person, um, that you have, uh, you know, how you have capacities, you have experiences and perspectives that perhaps younger workers don't have. And, and, and hold that near and dear, that that, that gives you um, a value. You know, you're not ready to be put out to pasture. Um, and so, but it is, it, it's a, it is a struggle because there's lots of competition. There's lots of anxiety about money when the economy isn't strong. I, I totally understand that. 
Well, and it's interesting, the common theme of what you're talking about here is is change or transition, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it doesn't have to be just a change from working to retired. As you said, maybe we have to stay working, but we have to change or transition the expectations or, you know, the boundaries, as you said. So I'm exactly. interested in maybe just broadening that conversation a little bit. And we've only got a couple of minutes left. And I, I would really love your counsel for anybody that's listening about if, if somebody is feeling the, the stress of change, whatever that change is being driven by, um, I suspect that there is some process that people go through in order to internalize, understand it, and then bring about change. Maybe you can just give us some some tips on if somebody's struggling with this right now, what should they be doing, thinking about, and, you know, the kind of time frame that we should be making these changes over? Okay. Well, sometimes, you know, you hear this term, midlife crisis, and I prefer yeah. to think of midlife and beyond as a time of, of disruption, a healthy disruption where you start to challenge your existing beliefs about what constitutes success, uh, reevaluate um, what you what you love to do, what you're good at doing, and maybe revise uh, the structure of, of your life. Um, so, kind of, it's looking at that old script. You know, are we meeting other people's expectations, or are we following our own passion? What's our core identity? What are our true talents mm-hmm. and passions? And this may be, you know, the latter third of life is often the time to finally put some of those things in in place. Um, it's okay to not work to the, you know, to, to the point of exhaustion. You can you can change that. So we want to um, we want to uh, deal with the idea that there's that there's fear. Um, you know, people get very um, anxious about oh, if I do this, I'm going to you know whatever their anxiety is. So you want to really mind your thinking, um, catch yourself in negative patterns of thinking of, of fear based thinking, and try to reframe those as challenges rather than catastrophes. Mm-hmm. You know, hunt for the good stuff. Um, develop problem-solving skills. So things like what's what's happening, what's the worst-case scenario, what's the best-case scenario, what's most likely to happen, and then develop a plan. Because when we engage in purposeful action, that's the best antidote to that negative downward spiral of you know fear-based thinking. So determine first what you can control and what you can't control, because it's going to drive you crazy to try to control things that are outside of your control. Yeah. Yeah. As we said before, ask for help, find out what you're your greatest character strengths are, and ideally, you can turn the, the the adverse event, whatever it is, into a growth experience. I'm going to add one thing in there very quickly, and we've got to wrap it up. But you said something that was important uh, to me; it resonated with me also in in the interview today. Was that uh, I'm probably saying it differently, you? But be selfish with your time, right? Um, yes. I when I was a young man, I I had written to a um, a very successful uh, business person whom I didn't know that I wanted it to mentor me. Uh, coming out of school, and uh, he took it on. And one of the things he said to me, and now this is going back 25, 26 years, he says, I'm going to do this for you because nobody's had the courage to ask before, but I am very selfish with my time. This is exactly what you'll get, no more, no less, are you in? And I, and that sort of stuck with me, right, because he said, I've got family. You know, he, he outlined it for me, and, and, and that, I think, was very, very important. So uh, there are things right. that we have to do, and there's coping mechanisms there, and, and then there's things that we have to take responsibility for in terms of organizing our time. Wendy, I, I want to thank you for that. I think that's great input. You're most welcome. I enjoyed speaking with you. We've been joined by Dr. Wendy Froberg, who's a psychologist. We've been talking a little bit about, you know, burnout versus just about change, haven't we? Correct. And we're going to talk about change because as people move through this transition into retirement, 
right? It does have change. And there's, there's an emotional, uh, a physical, and a financial side to this. We're going to try to tackle all of that through our four buckets at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, it's on Tuesday, March 26th at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in the west side of Calgary. It's at 8.30 p.m., and we uh, you need to register by giving us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Are you forcing your spouse to retire? Well, join us after the break, and we'll talk about the implications of that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on News Talk 770 and More Than Money. Um, an interesting tease on the last bit, okay, uh, because we've had some conversations about this. It's an interesting experience. But are you forcing your spouse to retire? Mm-hmm. And what are the implications if you are? Yes. Right? Are your friends saying you should retire because you're of age? It's time. Right? You're getting pressure. Why are you working so hard? You should retire. Right. That pressure. Um, yeah, interesting. There's pressure for people to retire sometimes. My father-in-law is going through... Now, this is not his spouse um, doing it, but he's 74 years old. Um, he's in Toronto. He's not local. But uh, he's in construction. Yeah. Um, senior position. And, of course, the housing market's slowing down, new housing market. So he's being laid off at 74 years old. Yep. Right? Um, I've had conversations with uh, my wife about the implications of this because, you know, everybody's saying to him all the time, he should retire, he should retire. And I keep saying, why? He loves what he does. It gets him out of the house. He's fit. He's on a work site with guys doing what he loves doing. Why do you want to do that to him? Yeah. So I'm nervous. I'm actually worried for the guy, right? What's he going to do now? Yeah. So let's talk about because we've had several conversations with people over the last little while. Very interesting week for me, Dave. I had clients who were... And people are saying they want to, they're burning out. <laughs> and then I also have people telling their spouses, you have to retire. Yeah. You're 65 now. Right. It's time to retire. Right. Uh, and so I said, okay, why? Like, and then I asked the, and in this case, it was the wife telling the husband, you need to retire. Right. And, and, I, and I said, so what do you think? And he goes, the, the husband comes back and he says, well, I want to work. So I looked at the wife and I said, well, then why are we having this kind of a conversation right. where... Where you're, you're saying that he has to retire. Well, he's getting older and it's going to be hard on his body, so he needs to retire. And I understand the good, there's good intention behind this. Sure. No one wants to see their spouse go through physical pain. Right. Um, or deteriorate. As a, or know. deteriorate. Yeah. So, so I get that part. Yeah. The question is, what are you retiring to then? Man, there's the question. So, okay, so you stop doing what you've been doing for the past 30 years. And then what do you do? Right. And, and, and here was the response by the husband. If you think I need to retire, then I'll retire. Right. And I said, whoa, 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 right. whoa. What are you going to do with your time then? Right. Because you obviously are s- still working for a reason. What's that reason? And the reason from him was, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I can still do it. And I get paid. So why not continue doing it? Right. It, uh, so yep. this is an interesting relationship question. We should bring Wendy back at some point to deal with this one, <laughs> right? Because... Um, it, you, the, the key point of what you've said, and we've had lots of these conversations over time, never mind just the past week, is what are you going to retire to, right? So there's a, call it a 40-hour hole that needs to be filled. Per week. Per week. Some of that has to be stimulative mentally, right? So, so it depends why people are working. If they're working because they need to and you're deteriorating, it's killing you, that's clearly a different Situation. Then, if you're working because you enjoyed, it gets you out. You're engaged. You like what you do. But let's because the opposite could happen. Can if I you challenge left. that? You're, let's, let's say you're in a in a position where your body is deteriorating. Yeah. You love what you do, or you need to do what you what you're doing. Right. 
Why change? Even if your body's deteriorating. I understand that there's a health perspective of this, but what else are you going to do? Your body could deteriorate further by not doing what you're doing. No, that's true. That's true. So I, I, what I what no, I have but if it's deteriorating, what I was saying is if it's deteriorating because of the work. So if your work is so stressful that it's killing you, right? You need to make a change. You've got to do something different. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. no? I mean, you don't. You don't have to do anything. Let's put it that way. But I, I think there's good cause for that. So if a spouse is indicating that, that's one thing. But if a spouse is just saying this, just you need to retire because you're 65 now. Um, to do what? This is your 31 bucket thing. Right, so yeah, so, oh, that's what I made them do. <laughs> yeah, well, people people don't think about this, right? Because I have to tell you, we see lots of horror stories when people just retire without a specific plan, and the thought is we're going to spend more time together. Well, that may not be a positive thing. That that could really hurt a relationship. It can, because for however many years you've been working, it's unlikely unless you guys work together, right? Yeah, it's unlikely that you've been spending twenty four seven or near twenty four seven together. And even if you are working together, it may not be doing things side by side. Correct. You could be owning a business together and one could be out of the shop and one's in the shop. Right. You know? So it, it, it's 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 very it's challenging when you're when you're trying to deal with the transition to retirement right. and many people are trying to figure out who they are because yep. they've defined themselves based upon their career or their job or their title. Right. right? And then they transition to retirement they're trying to figure out, okay, so what am I going to do? What's my value? Yep. Um, and we have seen, and we have clients, and we we're not able to diagnose them, but we think they might be depressed. Sure, because they don't know what to do with their time. Right, and they they either stay at home and do nothing, or they have retail therapy. They're spending money on things that they don't need to spend money on. Right. They're they're trying to just that's their entertainment. That's right? their void. fill in the hole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so I think these are the there. There's more problems when you don't get to choose to retire. Than when you do get to choose, and yep. when you have this external pressure, Dave, right, you're just increasing that that risk. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's a bit of the in our at a retirement conference. I think often about Barry Lavalley's presentation to our clients. Uh, he's a retirement coach uh, that we uh, that we bring in often to speak at this. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the key messages that he gives Faisal always is: Are you self directed or are you other directed? Right. So uh, a self directed the 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 experience that a person that's self-directed has in retirement is going to be different than other directed. A self-directed person, and I'm going to use myself in that example because I said earlier today, I, uh, you know, when I turned 50, it was, that, was, that was the uh, birth date that caught my attention. Okay. Right? Not, not before then, didn't really matter. But 50 caught my attention, and I kind of, you know, for various reasons, was thinking about... Because you made it. Congratulations. Yeah, I know. Well... Yeah, it's a surprise for all of us. It is impressive, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I was thinking about, well, what am I going to do? And this is that selfish about my time thing. So I really started to think about, you know, that that experience I had 25, 26 years ago when I was a younger man about being selfish with your time and doing the things that you want to do, right? Now, clearly, some of those things that I want to do are with my spouse. No no question. But some aren't, right? Some are with the guys. Some are on my own, right? And so we've got to think about that in the context of what you're trying to accomplish. And and other directed sometimes uh, people... They're not making those decisions or having those conversations. They're getting dragged in. It's like that experience, well, if you think I should retire, then I'm going to retire. That would be an other directed moment. You may be making a decision 
that ends very poorly for you because somebody else has influenced it for the wrong reasons. It might be well-intentioned, but it yep. might be the wrong reasons. Correct. Right? And so I often think about Barry's advice around that. So that conscious thought about what you're leaving or going to is going to be critically important to the success of your retirement. I, th- I think part of the problem as well is people do not understand what happiness to them is. Right. And so when you don't know what happiness is transitioning to retirement to be happy yeah. is difficult. Yeah. So then you just do it because it needs to be done. Right. It's like a, a chore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And when I asked Wendy today um, earlier in the show about the process, right, let's you and I explain process because we see this all the time with our clients. They transition. What's the first two years? Oh, it's the honeymoon phase. It's the honeymoon. Does anybody really know what they're doing? They have an idea, but they go in and if you're a golfer- no. You're probably golfing as many games as you can, right? Yep. But yep. Some, some, at some point in the two years, you likely wake up and say, gosh, this feels like a job. I need a break. If you're a traveler, right? You at some travel. point, yeah. you're living out of a bag. You're going, I don't want, I just want to be at home. Yeah. Okay. So there's a honeymoon period. Yep. And, and as you often say in our um, presentations, that that honeymoon period kind of repeats. It's not a set and forget. You don't get there, but you will come in, you'll, you'll settle into a, Routine. Into a, a rhythm, yeah. Right, yeah. And things will change, and you'll change again your vision of retirement, right? Yeah. So, the, you know, I think the, the important thing to, to remind people is have a plan, know what you're going to fill that gap with, do it for the right reasons, and it's going to change anyways. Can I add something to that, Dave? Um, if you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. then you need to sit down with a retirement transition specialist and kind of build one. Right. And it may take many meetings, it may take right. many steps, right. but build one because when you can retire into happiness, that's way more fulfilling than when you retire because of a number or some other reason. Right. And it's okay if you don't have an answer immediately, and it's okay if that answer changes over time. That's all part of the natural process, and that's what I was trying to get from Wendy. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Let's remind everybody about our upcoming upcoming seminar, and then we've got to sign off another, I think, pretty good show. Yeah. We'll talk about how to transition to retirement and bulletproof your retirement on March 26th. That's Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in the west side of Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.ca. Retirement transition is much bigger than a financial calculation. It is a human experience, and that's mm-hmm. what we want to talk about. Thanks for tuning in to another edition. Before we sign off, any of the past segments that we've talked about on our show today or in the past, you can access them at morethanmoneyradio.com, or you can have them directly delivered to you by searching for More Than Money CHQR. That's More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition. More Than Money on CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.